Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So the RBN said the central bank in New Zealand is about to lift interest rates. The Bank of England might be doing the same next year, whereas some countries like the United States and Australia reckon it's a way off yet, possibly a few years. Some are buying up bonds like they're going out of fashion, government bonds. Others not so. Many are starting to buy less, but still buying them. So there are many different ways of dealing with the same crisis. So who's right? Who's wrong? Or have they really got no idea? And when it comes to buying bonds, are banks really just buying up government debt with no expectation of ever getting them to pay it back? In which case, isn't that QE, really, modern monetary theory, MMT, under just another name? That's today on the Debunking Economics podcast with Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. Welcome along. So central banks have all gone all different ways uh, in dealing with this pandemic, if they actually have any influence on it whatsoever. Almost all of them uh, argue that they have been pumping money into the economy through quantitative easing. But are they really? And how can each be at such a different stage? We know the pandemic is, is pretty much in the same place around the world. It's not over yet. We thought it was getting better, but it's taking longer to recover. In New Zealand, for example, the RBNZ isn't buying any bonds. And they are about to lift interest rates. There's other countries that have lifted interest rates as well, by the way, in the uh, in, in the last few months. Uh, New Zealand's possibly going to do it twice this year because they're worried about runaway house inflation. In Australia, they've still got QE, and they're not expecting to lift rates until late 2023 at the earliest, probably 2024. In Europe, the ECB might start reducing its spending, buying up less assets from its pandemic emergency program, but it's still got another QE program underneath that that's consistently buying up 20 billion euro a month, and there's no end in sight for that. And in the UK, by the end of this year, the Bank of England will have amassed £875 billion of government bonds and £20 billion in, in, government, in, in corporate bonds. But, you know, that is peanuts when you look at the total accumulated uh, by the big four central banks, not just the Bank of England, but the Fed, the ECB and the Bank of Japan. They have all amassed $24.5 trillion in government bonds. So, Steve, what would have happened, do you think, if these banks hadn't been buying up government bonds? And well, all the money that was issued by governments had to be bought by uh, by individual investors and by banks. Well, what we what we'd have is lower stock markets, <laughs> because yeah. when when you when you take a look at what QE actually does, it's not injecting any money into the into the, the real economy. Uh, it is an asset swap, and uh, and, and and this is. Uh, the, the bizarre thing about it is, again, again, how mistaken people are about the actual accounting involved. So if you're, if you, if you're using QE to buy bonds off non-banks, that's a different story. Uh, and I'll, we can talk about that. Uh, but to start, first of all, where QE is buying bonds off institutions which function as banks. Uh, that is reversing what happens when the government runs a deficit. So the government runs a deficit. It puts money in deposit accounts, and it puts money uh, and it puts and it, it and has reserves in reserves accounts for the banks. And then when QE occurs, the central bank says we're going to uh, buy and, and, and sorry, so that, that's a stage one. Run a deficit, 
Money turns up in the private bank accounts. Money also turns up as reserves in the reserve accounts of the banks at the central bank. So the banks get the, 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 the banks get this increase in non-income earning assets called reserves. Then the government issues treasury bonds to finance that. Uh, so so they, the treasury sells bonds, which ends up being an asset swap uh, where reserves get converted into bonds by the banks. So the money, the reserves they need, the, 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 the financing they need, I'm saying, trying to avoid saying money because money is what circulates in the private economy, which is in our private bank accounts, the deposit accounts people like you and me have at, at private banks. The reserves are the matching entry for that on the asset side, but they're not money as we mm. call it, but the, the, the numbers are the same. So the reserve numbers get driven up by a deficit. Then when the government sells bonds, uh, the way the bonds are paid for by the banks is the reserve numbers go down and the bond numbers go up. And so it's an asset swap for them. It doesn't create any money. But the banks do it for two reasons. One is because they can't trade reserves. Um, you can't go and, you know, there's no, there's no you know, market for reserves and you don't earn interest on reserves. Now, if, you, if you then swap the, if you use those reserves and swap them into bonds, then you've got, A, you've got things which can earn income that you pay an interest on, the, the Treasury pays interest on the bonds, and B, you can trade them, speculate with them, uh, buying and selling bonds on the, on the bond market, which is far larger than the stock market. So that so the so so the thinking but, behind it is from from yeah. from, the, from the from the central banks is well okay well if we give you those reserves rather than the bonds if we buy the bonds back off you so you've mm. got the reserves their thinking is that they are going to be in a position to uh, to be able to extend more loans to help which the, is wrong the economy that, that, yeah, yeah. And that, that's that's the, that's the belief that's why they're doing it that's the belief and if you go if you read the as as I have if you read the minutes of the Federal Reserve back in, when when the QE began in, in two thousand and nine two thousand and ten they're all saying it was striking to them how the banks aren't lending out these excess reserves. It's not striking at all. It's effing impossible for them to lend out reserves uh, unless people take out all bank loans in the form of cash, uh, which is not how what not what happens. The only way that you can uh, use to reduce reserves and increase loans at the same time is if the if the loans are taken out in cash, uh, and so the reserves fall and the loans go up, and there's an asset swap that way. Um, but fundamentally, it's, it's just it's it's a mistaken piece of economic theory that says QE by will increase reserves and therefore enable more lending. It doesn't do that. But what it does mean is that banks, uh, you know, when when you look at the what a deficit does to the banking sector in the first instance, the deficit creates non-income earning assets. The sale of bonds then creates income earning assets. QE reverses that and turns income earning assets, the bonds, into non-income earning assets, the reserves. And therefore, banks have now got less income. And so the pressure is on the banks to find a, a, another form of asset that they can convert those reserves into that will give them an income stream. And they buy shares. And that was also mm. one of the direct objectives of QE. And this is, again, in Bernanke's own words. Uh, they, they hope that the QE program would cause banks to buy more risky assets and therefore stimulate the stock market, causing share rising share prices, which would then cause a wealth effect, which would stimulate the economy. That was the, the roundabout logic about it. And it certainly stimulated the stock market dramatically and and, and it's increased the wealth of the, those shareholders yeah dramatically well. it's made the wealthy wealthier <laughs> uh, yeah. and but, but in terms of its stimulus to the economy it's been bugger all eh? because the wealthy don't don't spend as fast as the poor do for the simple reason that they are wealthy they don't have to spend as much of their of their cash reserves per day to stay alive 
Um, yeah. And and also also for the banks themselves, when they buy um, um, shares with reserves, that doesn't reduce the aggregate reserves for the banking sector because the money that's used, the reserves that are used to buy the shares when they're becoming assets of the banking sector, end up being redeposited by the brokers who sold them at a different bank. It's a hot potato thing. The reserves don't change in scale at all. Uh, but, the, but the ownership of assets will go up and there's this buying pressure, you know, in America's case, to the scale of a trillion dollars per year, additional buying pressure going on the stock market and property Should- markets rather than on the bond market. And should we be saying to banks, hey, you know, go after riskier investments with your reserves when we've been through the global financial crisis, you know, where, where the, the whole move was to make banks take less risk on? Yeah, but, but, the, the, but yeah, the, the, the basis of QE was encouraging uh, more investment in risky assets. And like mm. you, you look at it and again, this is you've got to have a bad theory to think this is a good idea. And that's what they've got. <laughs> well, they've got neoclassical theory. Yeah, well, Ben Bernanke was saying, uh, the, the, the chair of the US Fed back in 2014, uh, was that uh, it doesn't work in, in, in theory, but uh, it works in practice. Well, he, he might have been half right. On, <laughs> I mean, does it work in practice? I mean, isn't it? Because the idea of central banks, the other, the other side of the coin is that they, they want to keep lower interest rates. So, you know, the thinking is, well, if they're buying up those bonds, then uh, it's pushing what's left, the demand for those up. And so a higher bond price means that the yield uh, falls. Mm. Mm. And so it it keeps the cost of lending down because it keeps interest rates down. That's the other part of the coin. Now, that sort of seems to be working, doesn't it? But having said that, you know, look at Japan. It was, uh, you know, interest. I mean, interest rates have been low for a very long time, haven't they? Irrespective of QE. Yeah, yeah. it it QE. I'll describe QE. Does initially. it lower? I guess, I guess the question is: Does QE lower it? Actually, lower uh, borrowing costs? Not no. I don't think it does. Um, it's. I mean, what it what it does to banks is it takes out takes an a, an asset that's income earning out of their hands and forces them to look for another income earning asset. I mean, it can it can if you have the buying pressure on bonds, yes, it drives up bond prices and that directly drives down interest rates uh, because you know the interest rate is the inver- inverse effect of the price of the bond. So yes, it does drive it down in that sense. But in terms of making it cheaper to borrow. Uh, no, it doesn't, because it, it not it not only does it um, does it reduce the income earning capacity of the banks to ha- take bonds off their hands and give them reserves instead. Uh, it also me- means that they're with a the full lower income, they're going to be looking for ways they can increase their income elsewhere. And to hear more of that explanation, you'll need to listen to the full version of this podcast, where we also explore this idea. That you know, with trillions now uh, on the central bank's balance sheets, do they expect ever to pay that money back? And if not, isn't this really a case of modern monetary theory just by another name? Uh, you'll need to listen to the full version of this podcast to hear all of that. And to do that, you need to become a supporter of Steve Keen on Patreon. Go to https forward slash forward slash patreon.com forward slash prof Steve Keen uh, or go to debunkingeconomics.com and subscribe there. Uh, we're back again next week with another one. I'm Phil Dobby with Steve Keen. See you next week. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you've enjoyed listening to Debunking Economics, uh, even if you haven't, you might also enjoy The Y Curve. Each week, Roger Hearing and I talk to a guest about a topic that is very much in the news that week. It's lively, it's fun, it's informative. What more could you want? So search The Y Curve in your favourite podcast app or go to ycurve.com to listen.